On October 2, 1840, the young Presbyterian pastor Robert Murray McShane wrote a letter to his friend Daniel Edwards, who was leaving for Germany to train for missionary service. The letter goes like this. My dear friend, I trust you will have a pleasant and profitable time in Germany. I know you will apply hard to German, but do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean of the heart. How diligently the cavalry officer keeps his saber clean and sharp. Every stain he rubs off with the greatest care. Remember, you are God's sword, his instrument. I trust a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name. In great measure, according to the purity and perfection of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. There's a book entitled uh, Beaumoir's Memoirs and Remains of uh, Robert Murray McShane. Warren Wiersbe stated that in the early days of his Christian walk, reading this book made a lasting impression on him, and he frequently turned to his Christian to this Christian classic for inspiration and instruction. McShane's example of quality living gave great power to the, the unforgettable words, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Today's segment is called, The Shadow and the Fruit Must Yield to the Roots. Based on the Bible, I think we would all agree that God wants to use our talents. After all, he gave them to us. But in addition to the development of our gifts and talents, comes the perfection of our character. And to use McShane's metaphor again, we are God's weapons. And to be effective, the weapon must be polished and sharp. And in case you fail to see yourself as a weapon, you have to go no further than in the Bible to see example after example. Take a look at Zechariah 9.13, Isaiah 49 and 2, Romans 6.13. These are all biblical references that support this weapon metaphor. Christian service means that we have to invade a battleground, not a playground. And for you and I to be weapons, God uses to attack and defeat the enemy. Sure, Jesus Christ already won the war and defeated Satan. But Satan is a fighter and he never gives up. And he'll not give up till the, till the bitter end when he's tossed into the lake of fire. As a result of his tenacity, there's countless battles that must be fought. And you and I have to make a choice whether to fight and succeed or grow weary in the battle and fail miserably. God made his choice and that choice is you and me. When God used Moses' rod... He needed Moses' hand to lift it. When God used David's sling, he needed David's hand to swing it. When God builds a ministry, he needs somebody's surrendered body to get the job done. You are important to the Lord, so keep your body pure. A holy minister, a servant, is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Now here's an important point, a very important point. There's no substitute for character. You can have all the talent in the world, you could have received all the extensive training in the world, but if you don't have character, you don't have anything. 
And uh, to quote McShane again, uh, words that uh, he spoke at an ordination service back in 1840, he said, But oh, study universal holiness of life. Your whole usefulness depends on this. Your sermon lasts but an hour or two, but your life preaches all week. And isn't that so true? Although he was speaking at an ordination service, these words speak very loudly to any form of Christian service. A holy life is a useful life. And you know, over the years, we've seen many media scandals. And if these scandals have taught us anything, they've taught us that there is a vast amount of difference between reputation and character. And that popularity isn't always a guarantee of spirituality. You can have a following and not be promoting God's work. You can fool many, many people, but eventually the truth is going to come out. Life is built on character, but character is built on decisions, on the choices you make. The decisions that you make, small and great, do to your life what the sculptor's chisel does to a block of marble. God's will for every believer is that he or she becomes more like his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You are constantly shaping your life by your thoughts, by your attitudes, and your actions. And by the degree that you are becoming more or less like Jesus Christ. The more that you're like Christ, the more God can trust you with his blessing. And you know, where integrity is concerned, there is no division between secular and sacred in the Christian's life. Everything must be done to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 And you know, when no one else is watching, God is. And He will be our judge. Character affects personality, but character is not the same as personality. Too many Christians out there think that they can get by because they have charisma and can attract and hold an audience. But it takes more than a winning personality to influence people for Christ. It takes a godly character. It's been said that people are like trees. The shadow of the tree is reputation. The fruit of the tree is personality. But the roots of the tree are the most important, character. Thus, as our title reads, the shadow and the fruit must yield to the roots. The reputation and the personality must yield to character. The wealthy banker J.P. Morgan was once asked what the best collateral was for a loan, and he replied, character. And what's true in the financial world is also true in the spiritual world. God gives his best to those who most reflect the beauty of holiness. Take a look at 2 Chronicles 16.9. Don't let that word holiness turn you off, though. I know there are too many examples out there that tend to reflect that holiness is a bad word. Because you see, holiness is a perception word. Holiness is to the inner person what health is to the body. Holiness is wholeness, Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit being revealed in our lives. Galatians 5, 23. 
Some people have made the cultivation of holiness into a private thing, a hobby, if you will. They are Sunday Christians. You know, they enjoy the church country club, but they never seem to take the holiness into their everyday lives. They have no interest in evangelism or in the building of the body of Christ. Their lights don't shine brightly as they should, but rather they have the dimmer switch all the way down. What happens in church stays in church. That's their M.O. The late Dag Hammarskjöld said that the road to holiness necessarily passes through the world of action. Jesus asked in Luke 6.46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? God does not make us holy so that we can enjoy it. He makes us holy so that he can use us to do the work that he wants us to do. Holiness is a very practical thing, as described by Peter in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. We have examples of artificial righteousness in the Bible. The Pharisees, their brand of righteousness was shallow, brittle, and toxic, and Jesus condemned it in Matthew 5, 20. Instead of helping people, they burdened people. Their brand of righteousness consisted of legalistic rules and man-made standards that never penetrated the heart or transformed the life. This is not the kind of holiness that God wants for us to experience. When Paul urged Timothy to exercise himself to godliness in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he used a metaphor familiar to the people of that day, that of an athlete. And that metaphor went much deeper and meant much more back then than what we are accustomed to today regarding professional, organized sports with the large prizes awarded and the large salaries paid. So I would encourage you to study that on your own so that you can get a real appreciation for how they viewed their competitive games and how they viewed their commitment to the training process. They were totally devoted to the goal of becoming winners and every decision they made was tested by one thing. Will it help to make me a winner? A holy life isn't the automatic consequences of reading the right books though listening to the right CDs, or attending the right meetings. It's a result of a living, loving union with Jesus Christ and life marked by godly discipline. It means by starting the day off with God in prayer and meditation on the Word. It means following Paul's example of consecration and concentration that he put forth in Philippians 3, 12-14, and by saying with him, One thing I do. Olympic winners pay a price, but they figure it's worth it. Do we?